everybody hi friends we are back this week with a just another rad years podcast after one hit wonders we are proving we are not a one hit wonder have we had a hit yet no but we're gonna keep trying we're not a dud speaking of of one hit wonders yeah it's we're talking 1994 it's 1994 one hit wonder oh well uh cotton eye joe sure as hell was yeah, but it gave us Pulp Fiction, and well, you know what? Here's why it's a one-hit wonder: Kurt Cobain uh, offed himself. Yeah, it's not going to do that again. No. <laughs> oh man, that was depressing for me as a kid, man. I I got emo about it. I'm not going to lie to you. Aww. Yeah. Uh. That's when you can actually turn on MTV and like there was news. Yeah, I would see a music. Shit, they they were like the. They, Breaking ground there. Right, they were covering it twenty four seven. Right, playing whole music videos before we all knew that Courtney killed him. Oh yeah. Right. Allegedly. Allegedly. I did like Hole though, and I liked. Well, yeah, their songs were fucking fantastic because Kurt, Kurt wrote them. <laughs> and if Kurt didn't write them, Billy Corgan wrote them. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. The problem is, though, I love Nirvana, I love all that, but I I will be the first to admit that I am a bigger fan of Foo Fighters than I think. I think Foo Fighters will go down in history as the better band. I think so. Yeah. Elvis, you know, other acts came along, and they were better than Elvis. He wasn't the best musician out there, but he broke ground by stealing from black people more than anyone else. Yeah, he did. He did. So we're, we're we're talking 1994, and um, ritualistically, Squeezer likes to torture us first. Hang on, ready? Uh, so oh, have at it, Hoss. Crack my knuckles and be creative there, but no. Okay. You should have gave that? me. You should have gave me That's a knuckle cracking. Two, two pages of. Oh, I already flipped a page. Here we go. 1994. Right. Remember that Nancy Kerrigan girl? Oh yeah. Yeah, she, uh, she got clubbed by that Tanya Harding chick, which they made a movie out of, apparently. I didn't know. I it, actually... Did you watch any of the Oscars last night? Uh, they were on. I didn't yeah. get to watch all of them, but they were I on. I flipped through. I really don't care. I it, They really could narrow that show down to, like, four minutes, but they have to have a shit ton of filler. So I saw the awards for movies that I cared about. I saw uh, fucking Blade Runner won something. Uh, Blade Runner won the, special effects. Yeah. Uh, Dunkirk won something. Dunkirk and won, won the something. two sound editing awards. Yeah. And yep. uh, editing, I think it won editing overall as well. Um, yes, it did because uh, he was the same editor as uh, Dark Knight. He was, he was Chris Nolan's editor on Dark Knight. And he had a yeah. great comment. He said, thank God Chris Nolan doesn't know how to use an Avid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which all he has to do is just go on YouTube and he can figure it out. Right. It's, not cut it in Premiere. Oh. Premiere for life. That's what I yeah. use. But yeah, they, apparently there was a Tanya Harding movie. I think there were a couple of them. Like there was a movie movie and like a made for TV movie. Kind of like the, uh, uh, we'll get to that. You know, like 
How do you uh, think wearing a Bobbit movie and all that how shit? How do you think I feel, Squeezer, having pretended my Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy was Tanya Harding and we were married all those years and it turned out she was crazy? Oh, I thought you meant that you spent a ton of money to learn how to cut on the steam back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that too. On 16 millimeter reversals, black and white reversal stock. We could go shoot something tomorrow morning on that and be very... God Do you know it. in 1994, it was minus 36 degrees in Indiana? That's fucking cold. Isn't it going to be that tomorrow? No, I don't know if it's going to be minus 36. I don't know if it can dump 14 inches of snow when it's 36. Meanwhile, there's people in Maine giving us the finger right now. It's like, ooh, 14 inches of snow. Right. Um, yeah, but you have, like, dogs that pull your cars and shit like that. Um, it's called the Iditarod. Uh, yeah, that's that's in Maine. Uh, you know that screen painting? You know that got stolen in Oslo? Like, someone stole that shit. How did you just steal? Right. Yeah. Uh, they got the internet in China. Uh, someone figured out that the Loch Ness Monster no, they, wasn't hold real. On, back up. They got some of the internet. They still don't some even have the all internet. the internet in China. I'm pretty sure they probably had more of the internet in China back then than we're going to have in a couple of years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Loch Ness Monster, no longer real per 1994. Uh, PowerPC came out for Mac. Uh, they found a complete Australopithecus. Okay. Uh, we found out uh, Kurt Cobain died. We realized that. Uh, Richard Nixon died. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Enchantress moved from Italy to the United States, and the first thing that happened after she moved back was was uh, Richard Nixon dying. Now, I'm not saying she was a Richard Nixon fan, but she is uh, on that other side of the political spectrum than me. Yet we still get along, God forbid. And uh, tonight when we were discussing it, I was telling her we're doing 1994. She's like... Uh, yeah, well, the first thing that happened when I came back in 94 was Richard Nixon died. I'm like, good for him, the fucking asshole. It just glares at me. Oh, <laughs> so, oh so the the criminal aspect of politics, that's the side she's on? And she's like, no one, she's, I think she's more on the no one deserves to die aspect. Oh, you know, uh, see, I wish I could agree. Yeah, I know, I think it's really hard the, for us. I, to... I used to be, the more I live, the more I think more people <laughs> deserve to die. Uh, I, and again, people are like, oh my God, that's so I'm like, no, I would put myself on that list. If you had to like everyone that goes, oh, if I had a rocket ship myself and like all the greatest scientists, no, I'm the last person you let on that ship to go to Mars. Cause the last thing you need is me. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm useless. Yeah. Me too. Um, I bring nothing uh, to the table that, you know, they completed the channel, the channel that, thing in uh, mission impossible movie yeah, yeah they finished that we thing were up. we were gonna take that in europe but it's huh. it's super expensive well we i don't Apparently, I, I wouldn't say we were gonna take just it for the movie oh yeah right uh oj happens that, that wasn't true by the way people they did not build the tunnel just for uh, <laughs> mission impossible. Um, we, we had another there was another death uh dos rightfully so so it was primed to die uh, Although it really of, didn't, it uh, just uh, DOS was still, uh, you know, DOS was still the 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 front end, the back end of of Windows for years. Uh, do you know who Andres Escobar is? If Andres? you do, it means you like soccer. No, I know who Pablo Escobar is, uh, but I don't kinda, like cocaine. He, this guy was murdered for scoring his a goal against his own team. That's what they do. 
They kill you. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I mean, if, if you like soccer, that's fine. I'm just personally not yeah. a fan of it. Uh, speaking of, Brazil won the World Cup that year. Zero, zero. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the MLB season got canceled. Uh, that's my, what are you doing? You're taking my picks. What? You're taking my picks. Oh. Well, fucking tell me these. Do you have that Jeffrey Dahmer died? <laughs> no. Okay. It was on my short list, but I didn't go with it. Uh, the Jaguars become a team in the NFL. There you go, shout, Jake. Shout out to Jake and uh, uh, and Slapshot from the Washington Capitals. Who you I can edit. You can edit this if you want. Because do you have any more like techie stuff like regarding the internet? Do I personally? Yeah, on your list. No. Uh, we got Netscape Navigator and AOL. Two fine additions to the internet landscape. Uh, do you have any any movies on your list? Yes. Uh, are they in like the like a big one that we would think of? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna try to let's see how do I dance around this. So it's not gonna be Lion King. <laughs> no. That was number one. Um, does it involve someone that might be considered mentally ill? It involves someone that we probably would hire at TV2 to pull cable. Okay, so I'll leave that one out. Uh, does this one involve a car salesman and Harrier Jets and the Florida Keys? No, we talked about that, though. True Lies? Yes. Yeah, awesome sauce. We already discussed it. It was on our summer blockbuster. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I already told you Cotton Eye Joe... Uh, came out but we also got uh nine inch nails downward spiral soundgarden super unknown green days dookie came out which dude i remember when uh the cool kid next door like had it pre-ordered and yeah. it showed up and i didn't know but see what blew me away more than anything was i didn't know that you could like have a cd like mailed to your house that was fucking amazing to me and uh porter's head's dummy which i still listen to like at least every other week you're just a big fan of porter's like, being head, sad yeah. I put my panties on and cry. <laughs> uh, Martin Lawrence got banned from SNL. What do you do? Um, uh, <laughs> the Cosby Mysteries. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so here's a mystery to solve. Uh, Barney had a birthday. Was it his first? Yeah, his first. Hmm. Uh, is there uh, a show on your list involving orange no sh- people? No shows. Animated. Orange people. And yellow people. Yellow. Oh, the Simpsons? Yeah. No. Why did I say orange? Asshole. Uh, it was episode 100. Do you know what episode 100 of The Simpsons was? Uh, fuck. Episode 100 of The Simpsons. I'd know this, but it's you too late. You wouldn't think, because you'd think they would make a big deal out of it. They wouldn't. They, it was Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass bad song. song. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, We talked. That was on our, wasn't that? Uh, it might have been. Uh, we had another birthday. FX. Was born and we've, which I've we, gone through its whole yeah. creation. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan going to WCW. Yes. Uh, listen to Bruce Pritchard's something to wrestle with to hear that whole story, how that all went down. Uh, Richard Dawson returns to Family Feud. I still think he was the best. I only know of Richard Dawson going and being on Family Feud from the movie Mallrats. Oh. And shout out to. Kevin Smith, man, fucking get better, yeah. dude. Um, survived the Widowmaker. 
uh, if Clerks is a, a personal, I don't know. The Clerks to me is might be my favorite movie ever. I, I have I might put it up there as my favorite movie. It's just so important to me. Um, Kevin Smith alone is an important person to me, and he's a podcast pioneer. So. Uh, shout out to Kevin. Hope you get better. Hope you take care of yourself. We need you around. Uh, I know he's got another great movie in him too. I said that last podcast. Um, you agree, right, Squeeze? I think so. Yeah. He's got, I know he's, he's kind of, he's stretched himself thin, but he's starting to get back to his, his roots. He's starting to. Yeah, but I'm, I kind of like that he's making like Tusk and, you know, it's kind of like. That's... Fuck it. Just you're having fun. It's what we want to do right now. Sure. That's how you find yourself. Though. Just, gra- just point... grab a camera and make something. I want he, he wanted to make a movie for his daughter. So we made fucking yoga. Hoses. It's right. awesome. I know that. But I, I think he's got another good addition. He's got another clerks are chasing him. Oh, okay. He's got, got something you. to say. I think so experiencing... it's not clerks too. No. And I like clerks too. I did. All right. But it wasn't. It wasn't clerks. It no. wasn't anywhere near as good as Clerks. Well, uh, Pulp Fiction 2 wasn't that great either. <laughs> What's Pulp Fiction 2? Um, exactly. Right. Yeah. But no, I'm not saying he shouldn't have made Clerks 2, and I might want to see... You know, I was excited for Mallrats 2 and Mallrats series. It's just... Small, yeah, because I thought I was going to get some work. Yeah, yeah. It was all happening around us, but... Um, wasn't meant to be. Remember Babylon 5? Yeah. Yeah, that came out then too. 94. The critic. Oh, I love the critic. Critic was on uh critic was one of our topics. I talked about the critic. Yeah. Uh Space Ghost, you have talked ad nauseum. I talked ad nauseum and Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Uh do you have any oh you said you don't have any shows. So this no. particular large blue superhero isn't on your list? Large blue superhero the tick. Yep, we got the tick. We talked the tick though. We did talk to Tick, yeah. We did talk to Tick. Tick just returned on Amazon. I haven't finished it yet, but yeah. I I can't wait to. Um, okay, this is it now. Buffalo Bills, you're off the hook. You're now 0-4. We're done. Because Cowboys beat you in the Super Bowl. It's over. So that happened that year? Yep. Uh, George Foreman is an, became the uh, uh, oldest heavyweight champ. When he knocked out Michael Moore in the 10th. A good friend of ours, Larry Holmes, thinks he could still beat his ass. He's just waiting for uh, George to get off his pussy ass and fight him. Uh, you had the NHL lockout. Um, and I know I know you don't care to hear me talk about go all UFC, but I want to just point out a few things you'll find amusing. Okay. In a time now where it's fairly considered a... I would say a legitimate sport. John McCain agrees now after all that. Um, UFC 2 took place in 1994. Um, groin strikes were made legal again, but you couldn't grab the groin. Hmm. But you could strike so it. You could, you, you could, you can unload on it as many right hooks as you want uh, into the crotch of a gentleman, but you may not grab it and manipulate it in ways that would be uncomfortable for him. Good Which to know. a guy did finish a match like it's called side like he was on top of him like wrestling, and then literally just unloading right hooks into the gentleman's crotch. 
I remember watching that from a VHS tape that I got from Hollywood Video. <laughs> and then UFC 3, um, they in 1994 as well, they passed a rule where the referees were officially allowed to stop a fight. Oh. It took them to the third time that they did this where they actually had a rule saying, you know what, the referee can stop this when it gets out of hand. Again, good good, good rule. It's, it's a good rule. Yeah, it's one, one of those good ones. Yeah. Um, it's up there with the, you know, they, they started off with no biting. So at least, you know, they they were they started on the right path. Right. So we're, uh, and we're let's see. Finish off with some uh, little video game nerdy shit. We talked TIE Fighter. That right. came uh, out. I got to don't talk anything for the Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo Super Nintendo. No. Oh, so I could say Donkey Kong Country. Yes. Which we okay. talked about. Which I just did. Well, yeah, uh, Doom 90, 2. 94 was a formative year. We've, we've, we've talked about a lot of these topics already. We did a lot of this shit. And uh, Earthworm Jim. Great game. I was going to put that on my list. I didn't, though. Oh, look at that. Let's start. And uh, we're going to start with your first pick. Sega presents one champion of good, one pawn of evil. It's Sonic and Knuckles. Not only is it the greatest Sonic game ever, it also comes with lock-on technology. Plug in Sonic 2 and use Knuckles to play in a whole new way. Plug in Sonic 3 for 34 megs of power, new worlds, and surprise endings. Sonic and Knuckles with lock-on technology, only on Sega Genesis. Sonic and Knuckles, other game cartridges, and Sega Genesis, each sold separately. Yeah, that, was, that was cool shit. Oh, it was awesome. All right, so... Sonic and Knuckles, in addition to the other video games that were out. Look at that. I didn't even mean to transition, and I did it. I am impressed. I'm going to clap for me. Uh, so Sonic and Knuckles came out following Sonic 3. Uh, Dr. Robotnik's uh, Death Star egg uh, is disabled, and now uh, Sonic's going to go you save shit. You know, you know, got to finish business. Um now, Knuckles, who is a villain pawn of Dr. Robotnik, he is now playable. And uh, him and Sonic are now teaming up to go after Dr. Robotnik. And Knuckles has some cool little gimmicks. You can kind of glide a la uh, Mario, Super Mario World kind of cape kind of thing going on. Uh, and he can break through walls with like his Knuckles because that's his name, Knuckles. Um, he's an enchilada, if for anyone that's interested, which is uh some kind of platypus I read. So yeah, he's he's kind of rare out there. I I really would have liked to see them expand the series and have Sonic team up with a platypus. Right. I don't think they're that fast, but you know it'd be interesting to see. He could be a platypus, a platypus on performance enhancing drugs. Sure. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. Sonic had to be doing speed. Oh, yeah. So you go from, you know, Sonic. What do you think Sonic was on? Was it just Adderall? Or do you think he was straight up like meth? Well, it probably started as Adderall, but then when he couldn't get his script filled, he switched to meth. Okay. What was Tails doing? Uh, (laughs) Tails was, God, Coke. He was Coke. Yeah, Cokehead. Well, Knuckles was just pure HGH. He was just, you know, you could see it in the body and the trunk and genitals. <laughs> so, but, 
But uh, what really made this game was sorry. No, keep going. I was because enchilada testicles. I was gonna say um, our good <laughs> Blake, our good friend Blake Harris, who has been on the podcast, wrote extensively about if you want to like go into more in depth, and you haven't read it yet, read fucking Console Wars because he goes into depth about the creation of Knuckles and the creation of Sonic and Tails. Um, so what really is awesome about this game is, and it, it sounds in a world and a time of so much gimmicky shit, um, and a- additional peripherals and stuff that's really unnecessary for your video gaming, just anything gimmicks. to try to pull you away. Yeah, gimmicks, just to pull you away was this lock-on technology. Right. So you, when you bought Sonic and Knuckles, you got the Sonic and Knuckles game. Yes. Um, just, you know, it's another Sonic game, but with a different character and a little, you know, little tweakage to uh, his playability. It's pretty much the but same fucking game. It's the same fucking game. Um, but when you take the cartridge and flip the top up, you can lock on additional cartridges. You can put Sonic 3 on top of that and then basically plays through Sonic 3 as Knuckles or 2 or 1 uh could you do one no when you did one i think it just played like a it took you to like a menu and you could play a song and shit like that oh really i thought it was Sonic all the Sonic correct. games uh Sonic 2 you can definitely you could play through um the whole game I had I had my notes. Yeah. Super Emeralds, Hypersonic, plus two. See, I wrote this down a while ago and now I can't even read my own goddamn handwriting. Well, people can do what I did anyway and just Google it. Um but it's just <coughs> the ability to do that was kinda cool and I, I loved it because I did it with I had all my games and I don't even think I had I had to borrow Sonic three to try it out because I actually didn't own Sonic Three. But, you know, I had Sonic 2 because it came with the system. Right. Because um, I had a Sega Genesis. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we're you, all aware. You, didn't, you didn't have lock-on technology, man. I did. We eventually... Well, I never got that game. My friend Matt had, down the street had it. And, um, yeah, it was cool. But we had a Genesis, but we only had, of course, Sega Channel for it. Oh, well. Totally do. That was way after it was popular, too. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... a. Uh, Definitely a very fun game, and I loved uh, Knuckles as a character. Anytime my character can glide, I'm happy. And he could climb walls, like, too, right, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yep. And, like, breakthrough shit. Yeah. But, yeah, a very fun game. Uh, yeah, Sonic games always just... It really is, like, when you see that, like, that, it just screams Genesis. Yeah, that's, that's you know? especially like a small 32X. Yeah. Um, but it's just a real pretty game. It's a, a fairly bright game. And yeah, just the fucking fun casino too. level is impossible. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, anyway, I uh, would always die getting timed out because I would just end up in one of the slot machines and just get too greedy. I, I always wound up dying in the water because I couldn't get out. I kept going in and out. You know, and just belly out. Oh man, they knew how to make like now video games when you drown. It's not nearly as, because they just kind of, a lot of times they kind of like, they make the controller vibrate, the screen gets a little blurry, and it makes like a kind of like a gurgling sound, like, oh no, I'm drowning. Right. No, no, no. You just speed up the music. 
And it freaks you the fuck out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so let's uh let's should we move? Are you ready to move on? Oh yeah, we shall. All right. Let's um. So we move on from a little video games to a little uh, hardcore sexualizing of music videos. Yeah, so I'm going to lay this right out there right now. Okay. I, I am a huge Aerosmith fan, and I've been a huge Aerosmith fan uh, since I was a kid. I, when they had their resurgence, I got big into them. My first CD I ever owned when my dad bought me a CD player was Aerosmith Classics Live Volume 2. He just bought it for me at Clover because he knew how much, because that's where he got my disc man. Mm. Uh, not, he knew how much I loved Aerosmith. Uh but uh, get a grip, big ones, everything they release after nine lives. I fucking love Aerosmith. Um, and in 1994, they found uh, this young blonde girl uh, who starred in an episode of The Wonder Years and then in a movie called The Crush in 1993. Do you remember this movie? The Crush? The Crush uh, about a she she falls in love with Carrie Ewells. Robin Hood Men in Tights. Let me see if I recognize the poster at all. It's it looks like almost a Lolita poster from what I remember. Oh yeah yeah I remember this. So oh yeah Alicia Silverstone. Yeah yeah we're talking. Oh, sorry you wait a yeah <laughs> fuck my sorry. lead in but yes we're talking about Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> uh, oh I th- I thought you were talking about what's her name that uh, was an elf. His daughter, Liv Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. I was, too. So, oh. mm, Squeezer beat me to my own punch twice. <laughs> uh, so, in 1994, they shot a couple music videos for some hot songs uh, with Alicia Silverstone. They did uh, Crying, which I played first. That was the first one. Then they did Amazing and Crazy. And Crazy, they used his daughter... Uh, uh, Liv Tyler, and um, they were. I, I it, maybe it was just local squeezer, but were these not the most popular? Did did not everybody talk about these music videos? Oh yeah, they were the hottest thing out. Everyone like had a huge crush, like not to pun out on uh, the movie, but everyone had a huge crush on Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler, and and that crying music video, God man, fuck, and that's the songs were so good. And like they just kept putting out hits after hits, and and Aerosmith became almost bigger than they were in the like seventies and sixties. I would well, I mean, their first album was sixty four through seventy one when they had, uh, Dream On mm-hmm. was seventy three, I think. Um, yes, they had some other big hits in the 70s and 
not so much in the 80s, but when they came out in the early 90s with uh, Pump and uh, uh, then Get a Grip and Big Ones, they were just fucking huge. Correct? Yeah, it's strange how, like, you know, you talk about these bands that, like, eventually make it. Like, they were always kind of there. They made it, and then you they know, just like, kind of disappeared, and then they just came back, and they... They, they... they made it, and then there was the big, you know, um, Run DMC thing, you know, which is like... Yeah, uh, Walk This Way. They did a yeah, remix of which, Walk This Way with yeah. Run DMC, and it was which, like... Which was huge. Like, there was this, like, ebb and flow. Like, they would, like it would, like, peak, and then... But, yeah, like, 90s was something entirely different. Right, 90s was Get a Grip. Uh, it was... They're like big. They did. They released Pump, and they did a tour, and they had Jenny's got a gun, and you know that was huge and everything. But then they took a break, and they come back with Pump. I'm sorry, Get a Grip, which had the the cow udders on them in 1993, and this album was insane. Living on the edge, eat the rich, crying crazy, amazing, huge, huge fucking songs, huge songs. Like, I still have them on my playlist. They were at Woodstock 94. They were in the Beavis and Butthead Experience. They were on Wayne's World 2. Then they did Nine Lies. I, I w- went out on that tour in 1996 at uh, in Camden. Um, what was it called then? It was, the, at that point, it was the Blockbuster Entertainment Center. <laughs> yes. And then... Who got it then? Tweeter? It was Blockbuster Entertainment Center, then Tweeter Center, then Susquehanna Bank Center, and now it is then the BB&T Pavilion. Pavilion. Yes. Jeez. So, yeah, when I, when I was there, I was at my first concert ever was there in uh, 95. It was No Doubt and Weezer with the Luna Chicks opening. And that was at the Blockbuster Entertainment Center. And then I would go there uh, a year later for the Nine Lives tour with Aerosmith. Then, of course, in 1998, they would release what would be probably their biggest single of the 90s. I don't want to miss a thing. Uh, is this is this when like, look, I don't want to be that guy because like, to me, I, I've said this before, where uh, uh, and Justice for All is like my favorite Metallica album, and a lot of people say that's where they sold out, so they kind of jump off ship. Right. But like to me, this was like their Iris. Like I, oh, I, you know how many, you, oh God, Iris. Yeah, but like that song. You know uh, that song was great. I mean, wait, what? Oh. I loved Iris. Oh fuck, I hated that song. Girls loved it in high school. Well, of course you did, but I liked the Goo Goo Dolls before. Like that was my thing. Like yeah, this this is exactly the same thing. You're exactly right. Yeah, Iris I'm is being, exactly I, the same as I don't want to miss a thing. It was yeah. a great love song. It was a great song to like, you know, get a little side action in the back of a Volkswagen with your girl. You know, not what they did in and with Ben Affleck and Mallrats, but yeah. what Ben Affleck did in, in this movie. And it made Ben a star. Uh it was a piece of shit movie. It was but I liked it when I saw it. Well, I like to think of it as a piece of uh future history. You think that's yeah? What's gonna happen? This is exactly how it's gonna come down. Because the last thing I would do is hire astronauts. I would always hire miners from West Virginia or something. But oil riggers, oil drillers, oil riggers. Yeah, yeah. same shit. Uh, 
so regardless, who, who was? I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to. Yeah, let's let's tangent here. Uh, Armageddon. Who was? Michael Bay. I yeah I know. I can I can see that. Who was what? Uh, I'm thinking cast wise. Owen Wilson, uh, John Coffey from The yeah. Green Mile. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's who. Um, Bruce Willis was the other lead. Liv Tyler's dad. So they just took all the, the the scenes where she was upset about her dad sacrificing herself. Spoilers. If you haven't yeah. seen this movie, we're doing you a favor. Bruce Willis sacrifices himself to save the rest of his crew and save the, the world. So they just like cut those scenes out where Liv Tyler's singing and she's like staring at a real dad, which was um, Steven Tyler on the screen and the music video. But my my thing is like they would never even to save the world, they wouldn't send Michael Clark Duncan into space. Do you know how much money it costs to send a single pound in, <laughs> right. into orbit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd send like, it would cost people. a fortune. They'd like go to send this crew. It's like, well, he has to go. And we're like, all right, hang on, let's three hundred and fifteen pounds. But at, but you know Michael Bay loves his beefcake, so oh know, yeah, he couldn't well, not yeah. send all his biggest boys up there. So. Wow. 2012? What? That's when Michael Clark Duncan died. Oh, shit, man. That's been six fucking years, man. Time's flying. Anyway, uh, so back to 1994. I think putting, making these music videos with Alicia Silverstone almost were more famous, or as they were more, maybe more famous than the songs themselves. Um, some of my favorite, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to tell you what I did with my door locked in the bedroom trying to wait for those songs to come on no, MTV. No, please do. <laughs> um, We're a family show. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I'll never forget those music videos. I just, I don't think they do them the same anymore. But no. those those were, those will go down in history as some of the greatest music videos ever. The 1994. Well, there's I'll, no place for them. No, well, YouTube, but and, you, but, but you. here's the thing. I you could yeah, I I know you could say YouTube, but any music video, like any song that's more than three minutes long, it's already it's too long for YouTube already. Like you either have to go long form and ramble on about nonsense for fifteen minutes or or more, or just have narwhals for like ten straight hours, <laughs> or it has to be like forty five. I, I disagree. I think the beauty of YouTube is like there's there's something for everyone out there. Like people, honestly, like you said, ten hours. People like put ten hours of I've like Star Wars it. soundtrack. You know what Just I mean? Ten hours at a Narwhal song. They will. They yeah. You could see that on there, and there's I I drive Amanda crazy. And it's got like a million views or listens. That's, you know, yes. that's that's why I fucking love you. Know, it YouTube. doesn't register until it plays the whole thing, right? Right. That's what's crazy. <laughs> oh boy. So, yeah, um, Aerosmith's uh, 1994 videos featuring Elisa Silverstone are my first pick. And we should probably, since it's, you know, we're, we're going to be here till, till the sun comes up, we should probably move on to your next pick, Squeezer. Unless you have anything to say about... Um, I, one, I want to apologize. Um, we should communicate a little bit better. We are in a communication business. Um, not this podcasting one. But uh, I, I do apologize. For what? I, I was trying to dance around it, and in dancing around it, I basically shat upon the entire thing. <laughs> no, I don't think you shat on it. I, right, everyone knew I was talking about Alicia Silverstone uh, and I Liv Tyler. Did, I didn't. 
Uh, you know, was that and that was before Clueless, right? That was yeah, like that, right that's before, what got her cast. Is that what got her Clueless? That's what got her Clueless. Yeah. Okay. Um, she while was... we're on the topic of like just absolute sexiness, let's go on to my next pick. Robin is imprisoned in the Black Dragon Castle. We have to free him. Here, over the wall. Come on, Robin, let's get to the catapult. They made it. A last-minute rescue. Legoland Castle. Medieval adventures to build and collect. My God, that commercial put me to sleep. <laughs> Lego, the... Lego commercials are the shit. What the, the fuck was mess. that? Oh, it's a commercial for Lego Black Knights, and the, and then also the uh, the the uh, what the hell do they call them the Tree People, the Robin Hood basically collection. Um, this isn't the first time you've talked about this collection. Uh, Black Knights, I didn't get into. I talked, I believe I I might have talked specifically about the Black Knights Castle, which was just a a, a glorious piece of work. Um, or did I talk about the Black Monarch Castle that came in at six five hundred and sixty nine pieces? That's number uh, Lego number six zero eight five for those that are uh, tracking. Um, so nineteen ninety four. My list is weird. A lot of it's like the end of something, like the end of a movie trilogy, the end of a toy line, the end of a TV series, the end of a card line. Yeah, wow. It's a- fucking downer year um yeah the black knights they were my favorite so like it was all part of the uh castle series right um the black knights and here's what made the black knights awesome so they you know all the other series they you'd have like the knights with the horses and you'd have like their carriages and shit you get a set like that Mm -hmm. um the black knights were castles like they didn't have a whole bunch of like little pieces here there they had a, a few towards the end where they started to try to cram them in but the Black Knights were all just about fucking how many pieces can you fit in a box. Right. Um, you had, uh, let's see. So you had the Knight Stronghold. That was 229. The Black Monarch Castle, that was 695. And yeah, Black Knight's Castle was 569. And I mean, these sets were range, These sets were like $70. The Black Knight's Castle was like $90. Um, they weren't cheap. But they were awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember I had uh, – what did I get for Christmas that year? I'm probably going to contradict myself from a previous show. I want to say I had Black Knight's Castle. That makes the most sense. No, Black Monarch's Castle. No. <laughs> Anywho, but these also came with ghosts, which were awesome. They came with little glow-in-the-dark guys. Yeah. Um, which, you, yeah, you know, you do the classic laid out in the sun. And then you build like a little like prison or a cell or something like that. And when you open up the doors, there's a little ghost glowing in the dark in there. Ah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and still, too, like all the individual figures, like these were just awesome because they all came with. Did I just say awesome? Awesome. Awesome. Um, we're going to get hammered with a snowstorm, so I'm going to try to do my best Boston from here on out. Um like the the castle knights and just some of the little figures like the individual like characters um like with the little helmets that had i don't know what you would call them like crests and stuff and shit on them they were just cool and then you had the little the little arrow quivers that would slide you'd pop the guy's head off and then slide the arrow quiver on and then pop the head back on so you know yeah well you gotta have an arrow quiver 
I don't get you. Right. I would have figured you for a Lego guy at one point. Oh, uh, never. Uh, building. Uh, I, you know yeah, me. but you're you're a creative mind. But I I am. But I live in chaos. Nothing is more chaotic than dumping a uh, a suitcase full of plastic parts on the floor and then figuring it out as you go. See, I, I would sit in the corner and stare at a wall and build that world in my mind while my mom, you know, worried about me. <laughs> well, you got to build that word in, world in your mind first, and then you got to manipulate your hands to fulfill that world. Well, I was, I was manipulating somehow. my hands and other things. Well, okay, fair enough. Especially it's, around 1994, 1995. They, 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 they stick together themselves, you know. You don't <laughs> have to add anything. Uh, no, I was never a Lego. I like... Um, my brother was in the Legos. Uh, well, he, of course, I could see course, that. Yeah, and he had constructs also, which I was see. I of. wasn't the construct kid. I was, I was Team Lego. Like I kind of, you know, how they argue, like you know, like people now is like, oh yeah, boxing so much better than MMA, man. No man, I, my my guy can hit a guy in the nuts and shit. And it's, like, there's room for both of you in this world. Like I, this Saturday, there's two fucking awesome boxing matches on HBO and Showtime. My DVR is full. I couldn't help myself. Um, but for me, like, I was a dick when it came to connects. <laughs> you didn't like, like I didn't connects. want anything to do with them. I wanted my Legos. Fuck you. I want my little my little people with arrow quivers. Right. Did you ever use Playmobil? Um, I always saw those at rich kids I was shit. always confused by it. Yeah. I was like, are these just shitty action figures, or are you guys trying to be Lego? Like, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. I'm still not, yeah. I have some of the Ghostbusters shit, and I want some more of it, but... All I know is they were really expensive for no reason. Yeah, now it's, like, kind of cheap. It seems cheap, but... And Legos are way more expensive than Playmobil. Oh, Legos are fucking... Not only are Legos expensive, you know that Lego world that they put into a, into a mall that no one went to down the road from us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Plymouth yeah. meeting, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how expensive it is to get in there? You were telling me, yeah. It was, a we, lot. We talked about this. This is something we talked about in the show. Oh, we did? Yeah. Oh. How do you remember all this shit? I don't know. I'm a weirdo. I use the internet to remember shit that I used to remember. I'm like... Oh, yeah, I kind of remember this, so I'm going to look it up, and then I have to look at pictures, and like, oh, yeah, I'm I not going to lie and say that I don't sometimes browse the internet to get reminders on stuff, but most of the stories I tell on this podcast are right off. I'm not looking at notes. You've seen me do it. I'm not looking at notes. Oh, I, know. I know. I'm just pulling it right off the top of my head. Most, yeah, most of my initial topics come off the top of my head, or like I kind of remember something, uh, but then I got to go a little bit deeper like I, I just i recall an, an image or like try to, that's the worst part having like an idea in your head it's like i remember that thing but i don't remember what it was called or anything about it so you're just kind of googling weird words combinations and eventually something comes up in an image like after you refresh it like three times down the line and then you're like oh I could work with that. Yeah, sometimes. Like, remember during the show when I had to come up with pocket rockers? I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was this? And I, we eventually got it in the show. You, you don't even remember that, do you? No. <laughs> You're adorable. So, um, there's a lot going on up here. I got to make room for, you know, recent things. Like, uh, Here's something for you. I got something good for you. No, there's like. really nothing recent worth remembering. My next pick. Um, I would look at these toys at our Lenko 
and want them so bad. They were so cool. Uh, and they were ahead of their time. And um, without further ado. Straight from the comic book. Get Spawn. It's Spawn. Vertebrator. Breaker. Spawn, look out. Battling evildoers everywhere. Go, Spawn. Live the adventure with Spawn. So we're talking McFarlane toys. Uh, this represented a huge leap in action figures in 1994. Uh, Todd McFarlane, the creator of Spawn, uh, was working with Mattel to produce action figures based on Spawn, and uh, he couldn't, they couldn't make anything that McFarlane was satisfied with. So he, in classic McFarlane fashion, he, got, he rebought the rights to his characters and started his own toy company. He called it Todd's Toys at first, but he got sued by Mattel, who feared the company's name would be confused with that of Barbie's younger brother, Todd. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a rib squeeze. I have a feeling you're not with me. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, so... Production began uh, with action figures based on the Spawn line, and some of these were so goddamn cool. Uh, I wanted them; they, they had like the comic book with them, and they were just so detailed in a way that, like, back in 1994, like you would see the if you would see these today, you would say, "Yeah, these are these are detailed." Go look at the first line of Spawn action figures; they're freaking insane. And the Violator figure was always my favorite. So it was this clown. It was an enemy, major enemy of Spawn. And he was this little fat, pudgy clown guy. But he turned into this huge, like, demon creature. And he was named Violator. That figure was always my fucking favorite. Uh, the first line also had Tremor, Medieval Spawn, and Overkill. Uh, and, and Clown, uh, which was Violator before he, you know, became a monster I think I could be screwing that up I haven't read Spawn any Spawn books in years although he is working with Blumhouse mm. to make a Spawn movie uh, he would do horror figures and um, after that so uh, he did like the Twisted Land of Oz he did monster play sets he did movie maniacs in 1998 so like Nightmare on Elm Street, Chains, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, before, like other companies started, like really putting, realizing that they could sell more action figures to adults than kids. Uh, Todd McFarlane did it first. Uh, they were, um, <laughs> they were uh, ahead of their time, and and. Wonderful, awesome, really cool, detailed figures. Look up, just do me, do yourself a favor. Look up that first line of McFarlane toys spawn action figures, and they they were just. I I remember they did a kiss line, and I I, I still have my Gene Simmons in the on the blister pack. It was so detailed and so cool, and I thought it was going to be worth a fortune, but it could be worth something <laughs> now. But yeah, those McFarlane toys uh, set the bar really high, and and we wouldn't have toys we have today. If it wasn't for our McFarlane toys in 1994, uh, making cool action figures. And um, yeah, so let's move on to your next pick, Squeeze. The 
my name's Axel Foley. I'm looking for... Hello. Welcome to the Beverly Hills Police Department. Detective Axel Foley is back. Trust me on this one, okay? And he's in for the ride of his life. To continue this message in English, press one pound. For Spanish, press two star. Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop 3. For Farsi, press three pound. Rated R. It's on May 25th at theaters everywhere. I didn't know y'all had a tunnel of love here at Wonder World. <laughs> uh, so, can we tell the audience that when you told me this was your pick, I started dropping lines on you and you had no idea what I was talking about? I went pale. I mean, I, I did, but I'm like, I didn't have any other line to fire back with. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that line. I, know oh, I this, remember that line. I know this I'm, whole fucking movie by heart. I'm like, oh, this was a wrong pick for me. You're gonna kick my ass all over this one. It's just, it's just that my dad loved this. The 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 Bev- he, my I, we, we're talking a bad sequel here. Like this is my forte squeezer. This is, is this a bad sequel? Because this was my favorite one. It, it is my favorite one also, and but it is considered a bad sequel. Yes. because uh, I had a dinosaur ride, so that's my. <laughs> it it also had the Hanaheletor 2000. Oh, that is my favorite scene out of the entire movie. When he's like, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Indiana, noise, keep, and then he shoots the nets at it, and then it goes, yes. No, you can't take it, you can't take it out of, let me, let me swab it with Calon or something. It's so dirty. The promotional video that they had put together for it. Yeah, with all the hot checks. Yeah. The Hanailite or 2000. It kind of looks, they look weird, you know, like a. Like our our idea of a hacker on the bikini back in the nineties felt I don't know. It's it's almost like it just looks like something out of Beavis and Butthead every time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's rather absurd. Um which should be interesting and in like, you know, twenty years from now we look back and like, oh Jesus. Um But yeah, uh this so what what would you say what is it that makes it your favorite one? Like there, there's three of them. Yes. And you know, this is the third. I, I mean, think to be fair, it, it was uh, it was supposed Raiders, to. Last be, Crusade's my favorite Indiana Jones. Too, yeah, well, so. it's the best one. Um, but that's a lot of people think it's the best one. This one. Well, uh, yes. So I I love that it's in a theme park. I love that Sarah. Wonderworld. One yeah, Wonderworld. I love that Sarish is back in it. Uh, uh, anything with Branson Pinoche is fantastic, especially in there. Like, oh my God, it's it's Balky. But he was mm-hmm. he was Sarish, and he was originally in, in like he was he was like a something that you didn't think was in there, and it was written by a guy we've talked about, um, Squeezer. You know this, this is Steven De Sousa. Yes, you wrote Die Hard, and it was yes. supposed to be Die Hard in a theme park, just like Kevin Smith's Die Hard in a mall. Yeah. And it kept getting uh, in turnaround, and um, uh, finally they, they thought they could do it as a uh, Beverly Hills cop, and God, did it work. So, yeah, go ahead. I, I won't steal your thunder, but... No, no. Well, it's a, it's a John Landis movie also. Yeah, and John Landis is fantastic. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so Axel's boss, you know, his captain, they get killed. He gets killed in uh, back in Detroit. And, you know, they 
track the money and all the counterfeiting back to, you know, L.A. So now it's an excuse to basically send him back there again. And, of course, Billy's there, you know, Judge Reinhold. You got to have Billy Rosewood in a. Yeah. And to to me, that's one of my favorite. Like as a kid, um, I I love sticking bananas and tailpipes. Yeah, but the the Annihilator 2000, like for me, it was like the amusement park stuff, like the kind of sold me because it was kind of silly and slapsticky and shit. Right. Um, but rewatching it, the dialogue when he first shows up in his office with the lines. Hey, Axel. It's. Was that a pretty it, good impression it, or what? Yeah, it's pretty damn good. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty damn good. <laughs> um, but just the, the dialogue about like the lines and the districting and how Billy's trying to explain to him how it's actually really exciting and he's like a real cop. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And yeah. It is like my favorite scene in the movie now. Yeah. Like th- that exchange uh, just complete. I, it's my favorite part of the movie now. It, it is great. What I do find interesting, which is weird, I felt like, you know how we used to, because we've gotten a little bit better, um, but like our last picks, especially even like when we have to go and do like a job that, you know, pays us, we kind of rush through it at the end and don't give it its due justice. I kind of feel like that's where they at where they were at with this movie, like at the end. Right. Like there was no great big... Um, I don't know. I like thought the fin- the shootout was good. Well, he was in. The, I, I I just quoted it. I didn't know y'all had a tunnel of love here in Wonder World. Oh no no no! Not that the actual like shootout at the end. Yeah. Like, between him and Alice uh, Dewald. What? Alice Dewald. Yes. Um, like it was quick. It yeah, I guess it was quick, but, but it it was quick and it kind of like out of nowhere. Like he shoots him in the, in the leg and then like lights him up with the, you know. Yeah, but that's Uzi how it'd be in real world. In the real world. And you know what? I was thinking that, though. And it really is. That's pretty much other than the fact that your your three cops all get shot and are just kind of chuckling around and laughing. Uh, Billy probably should have died of blood loss. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that it would be that kind of quick. Like, it wouldn't be some... There was no, like, dialogue, no uh, creative... Like, you know, like, now they would have him, like getting eaten by the animatronic T-Rex. It's true. It's true. But uh, they needed him to be alive so they could dedicate Axel Fox to the the park, the new character. Also, I think the biggest stretch in this whole movie... No, no, not not Axel. I mean... uh, Oh, Billy, Billy, yeah. No, no, uh, Ellis. Ellis the Walt, okay. Yeah, like he would, like they would. Yeah, okay. Would do something, and then that. like the T Rex would eat him. And I think the biggest stretch in this entire movie is that there would be a a theme park in Beverly Hills. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not joking. That's the biggest stretch. That's a good point. They would never that that land is the most expensive. That's a lot of. Yeah, that'd be a very very expensive to run and tax wise theme park. And for some very mediocre rides, right? There yeah, too. tunnel of love. Uncle Dave, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Opening a theme park in Beverly Hills. But uh yeah, that's um uh he uh he didn't want to do it either. Um Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy? Yeah. No, they said that he was kind of bummed out kind of throughout the whole Yeah, he said there was no reason to do it. He didn't need the money. They're not going to break any new ground. And I think his famous quote was, these motherfuckers are developing scripts for it. So why not? 
No. And yet it still becomes like my favorite for some reason. And I can't put my finger on it. It's just and good. Maybe, maybe I like it's, it. It's, it's, it's the fun. one that I saw the most. Yeah, like, I, I watched it a thousand times. Yeah. That, that uh, UPN Wonder Saturday World. afternoon, Wonder Sunday afternoon, World. whatever it was. And the whole, the, the, the money, like the, the counterfeit bills and oh, you the, like feeling the, it. Uh, fuck the actual dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was a good script. I mean, D'Souza, it was it was a diehard. It was diehard in a theme park. It was fun. Um, yeah. There was a little uh, little love with uh, Janice, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can you can call it love, or she was just gonna you know diddle him in the back. <laughs> in Wonderworld, yeah. So it was all shot at Paramount's Grand America, uh, which I think is still there in California, not in Beverly Hills. Uh, also, here's a here's a good good little uh, tidbit. Uh, John Landis hired the Sherman Brothers to write the Wonderworld song. Oh, that's one of my. <laughs> and they were they were uh, famously Walt Disney's uh, writing duo. Um, they wrote the Mary Poppins songs and everything. They were in that uh, that the movie where Tom Hanks played Walt Disney. Oh yeah. Uh, it was played by um, what's his name, uh, Max Fisher. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Fuck. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, that's one of my favorite lines in the movie is when Flint. He's like, when the song's playing after he kills the guy, and he shoots him out of the. Uh, yeah, right. He's like, someone turned the fucking song off. No, they, it's beautifully irritating. Right. Well, they wrote It's a Small World, so mm -hmm. that's kind of what they based it on. The good old Sherman Brothers. Small World is still horrifying than an amusement park full of uh, dead counterfeiting henchmen. Sure is. But, yeah, this is a great pick, a great movie. I, and in my opinion, I think it's the best Beverly Hills Cop. I even like it better than one. Uh, so say what you will about blasphemy. It uh, it was it was cr it was burnt. It has ten percent approval on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yeah, people hated it. I loved it though. So fuck all you naysayers. Nominated for two Golden Raspberries, worst director for Landis, and um, worst remake Oof. or sequel for the film. George Lucas was in it. Yeah. Uh, they say that uh, it was too safe, played too straight, gave it a D minus. Murphy's performance is joyless and depressing. So yeah, we are alone on liking this. Uh, in an interview in the 2009 for the AV Club, Bronson Pinoche claimed that Eddie Murphy was really depressed at the time of filming. And he was low spirit and low energy, but you can't tell. I think it's great. I mean, when you look at Landis's other credits, I mean, I kind of get it. You go, you go what, in order. National Lamp. You go Animal House. Yeah, right. Blues Brothers. Werewolf, American Werewolf in London. Trading Places. Three Amigos. Coming to America. And then he does Beverly Hills Cop Three. <laughs> He wrote Clue. And he wrote Clue. Yeah. 
which we agree is easily in our top 10, maybe even our top five. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So hot. <laughs> um, he really didn't do anything after. This was the movie that killed his career, I think. Was it really? Yeah, look at it after it. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Silence of the Hams. Oh, wait. You're talking directing. Let's, I got to click that thing and go to that. He directed uh, He directed Blues Brothers fucking 2000. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Was it really that bad? That's. I do mean, I have to rethink what I like? No. You just. No, I do. Right. No, I can't. I can't. No. I'm out. Come on. No, I can't. It's not my favorite anymore. The internet it just... No, it just told me it can't be. Well, you know how I feel internet. guilty. This guy did Three Amigos. Right. Uh, don't... He, he directed Michael Jackson music videos. Thriller. His son wrote Bright, which I liked and critics hated. So... Uh, Let's move on, though. We're only do you on remember? My... Do you remember the stupids? Yes, I do. Tom ha uh, okay. Tom Arnold, I mean, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. That movie was fucking god awful. Yeah. Was that yeah. his first one after this? Yeah, you know. So maybe that's not it. Maybe he did Beverly Hills Cop three, and they're like, "Ugh, dude, really?" All right. And then the stupids Here, is what killed. Here's me. a hot pile of shit. If you can do anything with this, you get another chance. And then then he gets Blues Brothers two thousand. What the Ugh. fuck is Susan's plan? I don't know. We should move on, though. We're not talking 94 now. It's got Michael Bane in it. I like I like Michael Bane. He was in movies in 94. Roby, the size of a tangerine. That's Michael Caine. Yeah, I said Michael Bane. I know. Uh, so, do you remember Purple what the X. last game for Nintendo Entertainment, Nintendo Entertainment System produced in North America was? Ooh, that's well, a good little piece of trivia. Uh, I have it right here. The answer, please, Mr. Crowley. Today, you heard that over this. That's pressure. Try Wario's Woods, the new action puzzle where stuff's really down on you. In I mean, Wario is all over you. Only for Nintendo. You all heard me saying hi to Schmuffin. In that. Oh, hi, Schmuffin. Yeah, she, she came in to say hi. She's here. She's in, she's Gotta in, take a poop. She's a nightcrawler like me. Uh, Wario's Woods, which was a puzzler. Last game yeah. released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. So I gave this a play because I, I remember we rented it from Blockbuster or Hollywood Video or, or uh, one of those video places. It wasn't Hollywood Video. I don't think it was out yet. But um, the last North American game you could buy was in 1994. So NES had life. It was February. It was almost to the it's date. almost 10 years for a system. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which, so I didn't get mine to like 89, but... We got ours in like 86, 87. But so 
Do you want to know some other last games while we're talking about it? Yeah. Throw me a system. I'll tell you its last game. Oh, oh, oh. Like, I thought you meant, like, a couple, like, the last couple games of NES. No, 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 no. 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 Um, uh, N64. Nintendo 64's last game ever was Tony, in this North America, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, which was in August 14th, 2002. That gives it a six-year life. Hmm. What else you got for me? I always thought Conquer. Well, I knew Conquer was towards the end. Yes. It was well past its uh, life. Uh, last game. Uh, all right, Genesis. Sega Genesis' last game was Frogger in 1998. That's weird. Like, kind of just like a, a reboot, kind of like a... Probably, yeah, just like a, a remake. Well, yeah. But, 16-bit remake. Um, not like Toe Jam and Earl 4 or something like that. Right. Uh, GameCube. GameCube's last game ever was Madden NFL 08, which I still own. Huh. August 14, 2007. Sega Saturn. Sega Saturn's last game didn't... Didn't really last that long. Was, so guess, was it a launch title? <laughs> probably. Magic Knight Ray Earth, December 11th, 1998. I remember that. My friend had that game. Oh, yeah? My friend also had a had a Saturn. So Saturn came out the same time as... Well, it came out before Sony PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Sega Saturn's last game came out December 11th, 1998. Sony PlayStation's last game was FIFA Soccer 2005, which came out October 12th, 2004. Wait, PS1? That's yes. 2005? Holy shit. Yes. It had legs. Wow, that thing lasted. Well, about 10 years, just like Nintendo. Yeah. But, I mean, in a time where the turnover was... Yeah, that's, those systems just... Game Boy. There, there was some overlap, toward, you know, in these years. Now it's... I think Game Boy had the longest run. I would count Game Boy Color in it. The last game for Game Boy, which came out in 1987, was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets for the Game Boy Color, which was November 15, 2002. Wait, Harry Potter was coming out in 2002? Yeah. Wow, and that just made me feel old. The last true game for the Game Boy that wasn't Color was in October 19, 1999, so that's still like 12, 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Game Boy had legs, man. People still play it. Yeah, I do. I, I still think we, every, shall we? It's just another episode of Rad Years. Is Link's Awakening now one of the greatest Zelda games ever made? If not, one of the greatest games ever made. True that, homie. Uh, yeah. Funny, this last game for the Super Nintendo was also 1998. It was Frogger. Frogger, uh, so Super Nintendo and Sega shared the last game together. I wonder if that was done intentionally. Might have been. But um, Wario's but Woods. Is, yeah, Wario's Woods. So it was it was basically uh, the clear playing field of monsters using a variety color, a varying color of bombs and matching the colors. Uh, so <laughs> Birdo, the transsexual dinosaur from Mario Brothers 2, mm-hmm. was up at mm-hmm. the top and Toad was at the bottom, like moving characters around trying to save characters and wario was dropping the bombs down below um it wasn't like that it was fun but you get tired of it soon and um the controls were kind of weird so you like controlling toad at the bottom and the bombs are falling from the top 
You it wasn't any like Dr. Mario kind of controls? No, 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 not really. Uh huh. Yeah. So there was a fairy known as Wanda who created the bombs and Birdo would obviously provide re- encouragement for Toad. And Toad it's up to Toad to rescue the mushroom kingdom from Wario, who's trying to blow it to fucking pieces. Where the fuck's Mario in all of this? Yeah, he's 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 too busy. Uh, he's get, just getting laid. Yeah, fixing the princess's pipes. Mm. Probably took her to a Millie Vanilli concert. Yeah, they were on. They're on the show. Yeah, they were in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. So uh, Wario Vanilli, will Vanilli. Wario will show up and like lower the ceiling to make it even harder. Oh, what a dick! Yeah. And Toad's job is to take all the bombs. Line them up with the enemies of the woods and defeat Wario's monsters before, uh, you know, the ceiling collapses on him. If he clears enough of the monster pack sections of the forest, he goes up against Wario himself. Uh, it's a fun game, but you really, you know, it's not the best of the puzzlers. But what, was was this an NES game you're describing, or something that just was re-released, re-released, re-released with slightly different characters on a cell phone app? Right, it was uh, NES and then SNES, so it was re-released with slightly different characters. But I'm just saying, like this is like the pinnacle of like their like the money grab. Right. Like, there was just no microtransactions. All those games out there, the same shit. Right. Just no microtransactions in this one. No, not yet. Not yet. Oh, if, if they if they only if they would have been able to. If only they knew about it. I think is that the only thing that was stopping them, or do you think like maybe they had morals back then? No, there was no internet. If they had microtransactions, they would have done it. They would have done it. All right, fair enough. So they gave us all those shitty peripherals. I guess that's the equivalent. Sure. I still, I mean, maybe it's just they they try to make something out of nothing. Like I I gave, even gave Doctor Mario shit back in the day because I, I felt Dr. like Mario. it was like uh you're trying too hard because I was a Tetris kid, mm. and there's just something pure about it. Just something nice and simple that makes it like the perfect puzzle game. Uh. Video yeah, game, just, video game just historian. Overcomplicated. I, I'm gonna slow you down for a minute. Video game historian, just his latest video was an hour documentary on the history of Tetris. It's really great watch. Go check it out on YouTube. Video game historian. He does an. He made an hour documentary on how uh, Ru- uh, Russia, this programmer in Russia, developed mm-hmm. um, Tetris, and for the longest time, never saw a dollar from it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a. It's an insane story. It really is. So anyway, uh, let's Speaking go. Speaking of Russian documentaries, Icarus, check that out too. While you're at it. Maybe and hey, maybe he'll get a maybe he'll get an Oscar next year for this one. Absolutely. Here we go. Moving on and to Russians. Russians. Moving on to your They're, next. Dude, uh, personally though, and my experience meeting with legitimate Russians, the nicest fucking people I've ever met. Just sweethearts. Yeah. Probably because the guy knew he could crush my skull with one hand and smile while doing it, but he was a to- they were total sweethearts. Uh, yeah. Maybe they just like my jeans. Uh, well, I mean, the next movie they could do is a movie about the Russian athletes who wear sweatshirts, joking about not doping, and they get busted and kicked <laughs> out of the Olympics for doping. Curling. Cur- it was a curling. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. How do you dope for that? Fucking Christ. All right. I would think Adderall, but... Maybe. Let's move on. We need to move on. Uh, we're we're an hour and 15 into this. Uh, and your next pick is going to be fun. So 
Here we go. Ah. Love the X-Men theme song. It's been, it's been too long. I just I had a place to fit it in, so I had to use it. Fair enough. You're talking about the collector cards for from Flair, the right? Flair Marvel Universe series from 94. There was a fun... I mean, these were... Talk about ultimate collectors. Collector cards. Yeah. They're worth nothing. No, they're absolute... I actually was just going through looking up like recent prices... Here's the sad thing. Like, you know how you kind of, you have ones that you get attached to? Yeah. Um, so they might not be the coolest card, but it's your character. So, like, my, my Punisher card that I had, uh, I can get him now. I could get 30 cents for that right now. Oh, shit. <clears throat> um, now, I had, now here's the thing with these, <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize for that, folks. Uh, in 94, that was Series 5. So it was a 200-card collection, and uh, they also had then your your chase cards, right? So you had your Power Blast cards, your suspended animation cards, and your hologram cards. Hologram cards were holograms. Right. Um, the suspended animation, they were on, like, a, a clear plastic, kind of to try to make it look like an animation cell. And it was that kind of, like, trying to promote the animated series stuff that was going on at the time, 94. It was, you know, huge. And then the Power Blast cards were on, like, a fo- they were, like, foil cards, you know, right. so they looked really awesome. Right. My my pride and joy out of this collection, because you know how you get one and you feel like, oh, my God, I've done it. Like, it's your holy grail. I I had a Ghost Rider um, Power Blast card on the foil. Oh, shit. All right. Now, don't get me wrong. This card, to me, I, I think this card's gorgeous. Like, he's on the motorcycle, the flames, he's got the chain, it's metal. So for him, too, like, that's even even more, like, awesome. Because, like, the Ghost Rider on the foil card, right? It, it just looks cool. Do you know how much money? Like, I, I should just quit right now if I had this because I don't know where it's at anymore. All I can buy are my goddamn hockey cards and I have a... Eric Lindros card with a piece of his morning skate jersey cut into it, which I don't give a flying fuck about. Um, what do you think I can get for a Ghost Rider 1994 Series 5 Marvel Universe Power Blast card? Give me a uh, shot in the dark. 350 $350? No, $3.50. Oh. No. More? Less. A little less. $2.27. A little less. A dollar twenty-seven. You are so close. If you, you would like it would break your heart on uh uh What's that show with the where they guess the price, price on right. the thing where you have to guess that the price is right? So close. Price to is right. Dollar twenty-five. Oh. This 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 crown jewel, this crown jewel of my collection, is worth a dollar twenty-five right now. Yeah, I, I knew. I if just... you can find someone to get it, 
I just knew that they weren't worth a whole lot at all. No, because they printed the shit out of these things. Yeah. And even then, you know, even though in my my mind of what mint condition was, um, I'm sure them being all bundled together, rubber banded together, and then stuffed in my backpack to go to school. Right. Um, didn't they didn't fare well? Like, because uh, that, and that's what we would do. Oh my god, we got in, we would get in trouble all the time. So like, because you know we trade these in class. We just, you know, just show our show off our collections like that was this was it like we were we were minor we were 49ers of our era sure like, this is this is the gold that we got and to me like the the pinnacle this 94 collection was awesome the 93 were great too um uh but these were awesome and above all else on the back of many of the cards like the individual cards they had stats and what do you know what does squeezer love more than anything ryan useless facts I love useless facts and stats. Want to look at Venom's? Sure. So Venom, so his, uh, let's see, his his speed on a scale of 1 to 7, because we picked that arbitrary number. You know, he's only a 2. Right. He's only a 2 at speed. He's, he's a 3 for stamina. His strength is at a 5. He's a pretty tough guy. Intelligence, he's only a 2 again. You know, not, not, not the well, brightest. Eddie Brock was an idiot. No, Eddie Rock wasn't Eddie. Uh, fighting ability, only a three. Like, he's not he's not a great warrior, you know. But agility, he's a six. Like, he's he's right up there. Like, cause, you know, it's Venom. It's fucking, look at me, I'm Venom. Uh, yeah. But then, you know, you get to, like, you know, you get, uh, let's see. Oh, where's my Punisher card? I think I have that somewhere. Where is that standing by? Oh, my Punisher card. So, again, he's only a two on your speed. All right, we're going, we're going stats here. Because I love stats. Uh, so Punisher is just as fast as Venom. Stamina is the same at three. Strength is only a two. You know, he's by, you know, human standards, he's the strongest motherfucker out there. But, you know, he's no superhero. And intelligence, he's only a two. He's not that bright. Even though I would like to think that, you know, his planning and logistics. But I guess they're comparing him to, like, Professor X and, like, Jean Grey kind of shit. You know, It's a sliding scale. It's a sliding scale. Like, but his fighting ability is like a six, so that's what gets him going. Like he's like, I'm the Punisher, man. I got. Oh, yo, hold on, it's the Punisher. And agility man. is three. What? You broke Dropped up out. a little bit there. Dropped out. Dropped yeah, out. we all did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These were so yeah. fucking fun and cool when we were kids, and they're just great to just have and just stare at. And like the art, I just I thought the artwork was absolutely gorgeous on him. High grade, yeah. I, I know Jim Lee drew a few of them, so he's one of my favorites. Uh, and then uh, what, what was really cool is, and we, we just discussed this the other night, because um, we talked about when we were going to record and and all that, and you sent me that text saying, uh, dude, uh, spoilers, if you're, uh, this is like a real one. You know how I joke around about that kind of shit? Yeah. Um, th- this is a real, like, Spoiler alert, if you were a fan of the Punisher series on Netflix and you don't want to know anything about season two, uh, you got like three seconds. Ready? Yes. One, two, three. All right, yeah. So you text me that we were going to do the suicide run, mm-hmm. that they were going to uh, use a suicide run as for part of the main right. storyline for yes. season two. Uh, what's awesome about this in 94, the series five, so they do a whole panel of all these um, nine-card... Uh, nine card panels 
that when you put them in order in your cart plastic card sheets in the book, it creates a larger, you know, like mural. Mm-hmm. Now this started in series four right before this, um, but uh, and they only did it like one. But with this series, almost half, like I think like 80 of the 200 cards would make up this panel. Uh, and for the Punisher one, they actually did a suicide run. Right. Um, which is really cool. So all those characters are there um, that take on the Punisher mantle. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, if which, if any of those, uh, they, they try to use as part of... Uh, into that series. I can't I'm wait. I'm really excited. For Should it. be fun. It's going to be fun. Nope, oh, Schmuffin's back. Hey, Schmuffin. Hi, Schmuffin. Hey, Schmuffin. Do you hear? She's crying. Come here. Oh. We're going to. Well, she's not crying like crying. She's howling because she wants to get pets. Crying because I met you. That was a good Stephen I'm time. trying to forget you. See, I brought it back. Brought it back. All right, let's move on to my next pick. Paramount Pictures presents... Your boy. Different. We're all different. The story of an American original. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is, stupid does, sir. Have you ever been with a girl, boy? I sit next to them in my home economics class all the time. Tom Hanks. Here he is, Forrest Gump, right here. Have you found Jesus yet? I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. (laughs) Forrest Gump. Rated PG-13. Special sneak preview, Saturday, July 2nd. I sit next to them in my home economics class. <laughs> so this Hey, is, I was right. I guessed it when you told me not to... Yeah, they could be working on our crew. Pulling yeah. cable. He could be. Uh, I love this movie to this day, and I could still watch it tip to tail. Let's just, I Absolutely. just love it. And I love impersonating Forrest Gump, uh, especially as Pillow Talk with Enchantress. Uh, I know I'm so romantic. Uh, so this movie, I remember my grandparents took us to see in 1994 when it came out and I absolutely was obsessed with like its techniques and it's like everything about it. Like it, this is truly move. This was movie magic in 1994, mm-hmm. cutting him into all those like real scenes and him being a part of history and the, Nixon and- oh, the Lyndon Johnson and JFK and the fucking soundtrack was so goddamn good. Oh, yeah. This movie was just so great. And um, I think 1994 was better off for it. But there was there were so many good movies in 94. Uh, we could talk Pulp Fiction. I believe Dazed and Confused was 1994. All right, all right, all right. Uh, oh, shit, I should have put Dazed and Confused on my list. Were you a fan of that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that was 1993. Okay, don't worry. Oh, we good. haven't done 93 yet, have we? Yeah, we did. Oh, we'll have to do a second. I think we did. Uh, so, but as far as 1994 films are, this is seriously one of the best ever. Oh, of all time. I mean, it's still up there. Yes. I think it's gonna. It's in one of the top 100 films of all time list right now. I think. I mean, I gotta get the my 90s of the 90s certainly. Gotta get my sea legs. Ten dang, you ain't got no legs. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there, there are lines in it that we quote and laugh about that you're not supposed to. But right, well, at the they, time they just you're don't dumb work in kids, and you think it's hilarious. Well, no, it's these normal people don't work in television, so they don't know that that would actually, you know, be a line quoted by someone who works in television. 
But uh, I just I put it at the end so we could just mention it and um, you know move on to your next pick, your last pick, which I think you want to wax a little bit about. I should have done this a long time ago. You are always welcome. So, five-card stud, nothing wild, and the sky's the limit. Captain Jean-Luc Picard on the regular, you know, TV series of Star Trek The Next Generation. They made a, you know, a shit ton of movies following this. Um, but yeah, all good things, dot, 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 implying uh, come to an end, which was uttered by the show's uh, main, I want to call him uh, antagonist, I guess you w- would be the proper term. Uh, spoilers for those... Um, who haven't watched the last episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I haven't which, watched a single episode. Which aired on the 23rd. Are you serious? Yeah, correct. It's fucking a great show. Dan's going to be pissed at you. No, I mean, I, I have nothing against it. Like, this show, for some reason, brings back the greatest memories for me. Because, like, this was always on after, like, WWF WrestleMania cha- Wrestling Challenge or Superstars. Sure. That syndicated show. And, but, I don't know, it always looks so cool. I just never... I wish I would have got into it. I never you did. Didn't, but you, you've watched it, at least. No, never. You've I mean, never it, just it, sat down and watched an episode of Star Trek. No, but it was always on. Like, it was, like, background noise while we were playing. Because we left... It was, like, in between, like, Ronco, Ronco infomercials and, like, oh, wrestling. Oh, the best. Uh, no, I, I absolutely adored this show. Uh, I'm one of those... People that like I actually prefer this over the original, which just because that's a lot of what do. I grew up on. Yeah. So you know, if, if you say that, like I'm gonna get my head chopped off for that now. Um, but if you want to say Star Trek Deep Space Nine was your show, I'm like, go more power to you. That's what you enjoyed. I mean, I kind of liked it too because it's a little bit darker. Um, you know, we'll see how Discovery does. You know, it's, it's doing everyone well. tune yeah. in to CBS Network. No, the CBS uh, app, whatever. App, yeah, the streaming service. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so after seven seasons, 178 episodes, uh, they finally bring the show to a close. Uh, and it, it really, they really did. It's one of those things where uh, I don't want to say it's a lost art knowing how to end a series. Because I, I think some shows, you know, do it right. Some kind of just the peter out or the and they just end others where you're expecting that big grand finale um bend you over and take a polar bear at a christmas party and turn it sideways and like you know stick it where the rock would say um talking about you lost and sopranos uh star trek did it right you know who's a huge fan of this series and wants to wants to do a movie uh, based on it, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh yeah, It'd be interesting got, to see him do. He's got a whole idea to bring back the cast and do a movie about the next generation. I mean, it's not like they 
I mean, it's out there. They can do whatever they want with it, right? Like the the because as far as I'm concerned, the new ones, it's not like like you had to take one one series at a time like they did with the others. Like like the movie Star Trek Generations was basically the the crossover the crossover between uh, the original series and the next. They had the same characters in it. You know, Kirk shows up and him and Picard, you know, fight the guy from Clockwork Orange and all that. So, uh, which is also from Lost. Yeah. So Penny's dad. Wait. No, no, no. You're thinking of. Uh, I never. I thought you were talking about the main guy in Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I am. It's Penny's dad. No, it's not. Who are we talking about? What's his name? Uh, fucking British guy. Yeah, Penny's dad. Malcolm McDowell? Yeah, Malcolm McDowell. Yep, he was Penny's dad. No, it's not Penny's dad. Yes, he was, wasn't he? No, he's not. Uh, Malcolm McDowell was not in Lost. Hold on. Hold on. I'm proving you wrong. Okay, go ahead. Let's see. Malcolm McDowell. I'm refusing to let you edit this out. I'm not. Prove me wrong. Uh, 2004. Uh, where is it? Okay, this is great podcasting right now. Right? This is great podcasting. War and Peace, Heroes. So Charles Woodmore. Charles Woodmore, yeah. Who was Charles yeah. Woodmore? Was it not him? <laughs> Who played Charles Woodmore? That would be Alan Dale. Oh, shit. I really thought... Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They look alike, though. Oh, I mean, they come from the same country. Yeah, but they... Come on. You could confuse those two. Uh, sure. I was thinking, um, uh, Ari's boss from Entourage. I, yeah, sorry. Because he plays Ari's boss in Entourage. Who, Malcolm McDowell or... Malcolm McDowell. Charles Whitmore. Not Charles Whitmore. I tapped out after the first season. I'm like, nothing's bad happening to these people. There's no conflict. They're just going to parties, and I feel like a piece of garbage. I can't watch this anymore. I'm too depressed. Then I find out that their lives do come to complete shit, so I kind of should have stuck around. Oh, yeah. They lose almost Um, everything, but they get it back. It ends on a good note. Yeah. So, but anyway, so in Star Trek... Uh, all good things, next generation, uh, last episode, all that good stuff. Um, so it's a time travel episode where, you know, like a lot of those shows would uh, kind of wrap it up by showing you what happens like to people in the future. Mm-hmm. Either some do it seriously or some do it comedically. Like I, I think 30 the, Rock did it great. The best way it's know? ever been done was on a show called Six Feet Under. Uh, was it HBO? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was about a funeral parlor, and it was the best wrap-up to a character's future. It went from, from that, that point of that show to their death on each character. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but what's interesting about this one is, it. so uh, Picard uh, is jumping back and forth in time, and at the beginning he doesn't know a lot about it, but as he's jumping back and forth in time, he realizes that, it's the same him between times. So he's actually cre- like generating this knowledge. They even point out, it's like, you've 
gained like two days worth of knowledge within like three hours or something like that by reading your midi chlorines or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> it was a midi chlorines. Um, I could guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, he travels back in time to like when he first came on board the ship and then he travels into the future where he's like a, a, a wino, uh, and, uh, his ex-wife. Yeah, that's right. Ex-wife, Dr. Beverly Picard. Oh, snap. He married Crusher. Yeah. Um, you, oh, spoiler. Sorry. You didn't watch the full series yet. Any, any episode. Oh, any episode. Okay. Uh, you know, Will Wheaton. I do know Will Wheaton. Okay, he played this chick's son. So there you go. It gives you a point of reference. Uh, the guy from uh, Reading Rainbow was on the show as well. And the guy that took over Ripley's Burton? Believe It or Not from Superman was also on the show. LeVar Burton? Uh, LeVar Burton and uh, Jonathan Frakes. Local boy. Yeah. Um, so anyway... Uh, they travel back in time, and there's, like, this disturbance uh, in the neutral zone, and I won't go in and explain to you that. I'll let Dan do it on another day. Uh, and then they go to check it out, and so they uh, basically <coughs> scan it using, I won't go into detail, but they kind of shoot a pulse into it to kind of check this thing out. And then, But it's smaller in the past than it is in the future? No. It's bigger in the past than it is in the future, so it's kind of, they think it's shrinking. Okay. And then all of a sudden, uh, Q shows up, which I know that means absolutely right. nothing to you, but Q is a pinnacle figure in the Star Trek series, and it opens the series with Q, it ends the series with Q, and it's perfect. And it's basically a test. It's like this benevolent being, this multidimensional, just uh, omni, omnipresent, omnipotent whatever it is the closest thing that we can achieve to a god and he's basically testing mankind to see if they deserve to exist anymore and he gave them a lot of amount of time to see if they can improve and he's come back at the end of the series to say have you grown as a civilization or as, as a people and uh, i mean seven years isn't a lot of time to do that to give us some credit sure uh, but and then he travels all the way back in time to the very beginning of Earth, him and Picard. And he, Picard's there and he's like, it's just goop. And meanwhile, this thing is enormous, this thing that they detected. And it's like all covered in the sky. And uh, so what happens is he realizes mankind has not been able to, you know, become a thing because the primordial ooze that we, you know, come from isn't doing his thing anymore because of this thing that came out of neutral zone is completely just you know, fucked up earth now. Uh, so it's kind of like global warming uh, where we kind of fucked that up too. Huh, so I guess the show is a little bit ahead of its time now. This is just like a dump truck just pumping shit into the air. So anyway, what happens is it turns out it's all about a paradox. And I... Uh, Look, this episode confuses the hell out of me, too, because it's supposed to. Uh, it's a pinnacle Star Trek episode. Uh, they actually started this thing in the future and the past and the present <laughs> all at the same time by checking this thing out, therefore creating this paradox that would then go back in time and prevent mankind from ever existing. But then it was with Q's help because he just happens to like Picard a little bit. 
and he got him in trouble to begin with. So then he got him to figure out that, hey, I created a paradox. And even though scientifically this can't actually really exist, it does anyway. And I need to accept that fact. And because of that, I'm going to fly our three ships from three different time periods all together. And then they all see each other. But then they start exploding. And then it was the future ship. Right? Future ship. It's been a little bit since I saw it. Yeah. And then that finally explodes. And then Picard wakes up in the courtroom with Q and realizes he saved humanity. <laughs> awesome episode. I got Fantastic. Check it, out. it like the it really is like just a great Star Trek episode. Like it really like emphasizes what the show is all about and like just the thought behind it and the humanity behind it and the storytelling is just really well done. And what's interesting is the whole, you know, you get to see all these characters, what happens to them in the future. They even make a point of it to st- at, the, at the end. They're like, because this was a separate uh, uh, anti-time stream, none of this actually happens because everything changes now. So, like, everything that they showed you in the future as the ship is sailing away and they're playing poker, none of that stuff will happen because, one, they've been told about it, so that's going to change it right there. But just, you know, their interaction with this event will change that as well. So they're off to do their own little adventure and make uh, a lot of movies. Good for them. You should really check it out. Oh, and I forgot, uh, Denise Crosby came back and made another cameo as Tasha Yar. <coughs> that was kind of like a, a heartbreaking, kind of like holy shit kind of moment when they revealed her, for those of us that watched from the beginning. She got killed off in season one. She was a big fan favorite. Spoilers. Oh. She got, um, I know I know you don't, You have you ever changed a baby diaper? No. Uh, fresh newborns, when they come out, uh, they're, poo is kind of this weird blackish tarry kind of stuff okay if you were to take that and put uh like sparkles on it and then gave it the power to shoot laser beams uh that's what killed tasha yar huh well that was a good pick interesting pick i have to takes time to uh get back and get into something like that but i will one day let's just sit i want to sit there let's you get you me and dan will sit down and watch a star trek episode together Record it. And record it and watch the two of us get infuriated as you get bored before the opening credits finish. (laughs) Uh, Well, talk about something boring and what might bore away all our fans. My next pick is... Well, it is now official. No more regular season, no extended version of the playoffs, and for the first time since 1904, no World Series, Brendan. It's not pretty. Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's over. He was talking about the 73 Mets. Now Yogi could say, this one's definitely over. The World Series has been played on in the midst of two world wars, in the midst of the Depression era, but now in 1994, in the midst of the greed era in Major League Baseball, no World Series. No more baseball this year. The greed era in baseball. Do you remember the 1994 strike? You have to. It was a year after oh, the oh, Phillies were in the yeah. World Series. Absolutely. It basically yeah, destroyed the Montreal Expos and yep. uh, made gave a black eye on baseball for years to come. They they it, only it recovered with steroids. Of, uh, was that? 
They only recovered with steroids. Steroids, yes. I was going to say it took a lot of needles and asses yeah. to bring baseball back. But even still, I think baseball's finally like shook off its what it what damage it did from the, the steroid 94. era or the the strike era. Both. I don't think the steroid all all those people that bitch about it, I don't think that was nearly as bad because the guys that were hitting the ball that were on steroids were hitting it off of guys that were taking steroids throwing the ball at them. So. Or speed, yeah. It bound, or speed. And that, well, that's still going on. Yeah. So, uh, in 1994, they couldn't get their act together. Um, the players union and the owners. Listen, I'm not going to disagree that owners are greedy bastards. But mm-hmm. players, I mean, they're basically all raping the fan. And when you do something like this, you're just fucking the fans. <sighs> I still like baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's give it a timeline. In June, ba- baseball is, is great because it's one of the only seasons that happens within a year. Uh, the 2018 season will start in April of this year and will end in November of this year. It will not. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, in June of 1994, uh, the owners decided it it went into the the Senate and uh, they failed to approve antitrust legislation against the owners because that's what they were saying. Uh, they were, um, players were saying the players union was saying it was collusion. Uh, July and August, uh, that piece of shit bug Seelig still couldn't um, <laughs> get his act together, and they wound up canceling the World Series for the first time since 1904. So 90 years of World Series played, not 1994. Uh, a guy we know, his son, Tony Gwynn, we know Tony Gwynn Jr., mm-hmm. um, he had a chance to be the first to finish a season over 400 since Ted Williams. Damn. Uh, he was batting 394 at the time of the strike. Um, Cleveland Indian second baseman Carlos Barraga was unable to extend a record two-year streak of 20 home runs, 200 hits, and 100 RBIs by second baseman. Seattle Mariners star Ken Griffey Jr., who we talked about, who had that great Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball on SNES, led the American League with 40 home runs at the time of the strike. And... Uh, Summed it up by saying, we picked a bad season to have a good year. Uh, you know, this sucked. I just remember being so depressed over it. I know the Phillies lost in 93, and as a kid. Yeah. And th- that's what really hurt me, because that's when I was just, I was really finding my way into baseball. No, I was only 10, you know, so, like, I liked baseball, but I was finally, like, really getting into it. Right. And especially with these guys. You know, like, uh, for us, like, you're, you're Dalton, you're Dykstra. Right. You know, you're Crook. Well, no one was you know, more... You're more Mickey Morandini. No one was more pissed off than New York Yankees fans. They had the best record in the American League, second best record in baseball, and um, six and a half lead over the Orioles in the AL East. And uh, it cost their captain, Don Mattingly, his best chance at a postseason debut in his 13-year career. Uh, they haven't been the postseason since 1981 at this point, and they were on their way to go there. Um, it really sucked for them. Uh, I don't know. The, the Phillies kind of sucked that year, so they probably wouldn't have gone, but I just blame the strike. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they didn't 
start playing again. They try, they almost had uh, replacement players, but te- certain teams, I think Baltimore, because of um, because of Cal Ripken's streak, they wouldn't do it. And um, they played. They they got a, a deal together in nineteen in April of nineteen ninety five and returned to the game. But uh, it never it wasn't the same. There was a lot of people who felt that everyone was greedy, and uh, like I guess was that a surprise then? Like now you kind of just take it for granted. They're all greedy, you know. It's like the amount of money now that you see, just well, of course they are. But like then was it like was it this greater calling back then that you you, you looked at and thought like? So here were some fan protests. Uh, three men wearing T-shirts emblazoned with greed leaped onto the field at Chase Stadium to a standing ovation and tossed $160 and $1 bills at players' feet before being restrained by security, who loudly booed as the men were escorted off the field. In Cincinnati, one fan paid for a plane to fly over Riverfront Stadium carrying a banner that read, Owners and Players, to hell with you all. <laughs> Fans in Pittsburgh disrupted the... Oh, that's harsh. I know, right? Fans in Pittsburgh disrupted the opening day game between the Expos and Pirates by throwing various objects onto the field, causing a 17-minute delay of game. Uh, it would be declared a forfeit. Philly all the time. Yeah, I know, right? That Philly was used to it. Uh, in Detroit, fans booed and hurled beer bottles, cans, baseballs, cigarette lighters, and a hubcap onto the field, causing a 12-minute <laughs> delay while holding up a sign that said, Field of Greed and Strikes Strike. Owners win, players win, fans lose. You know they paid to get into that stadium, right? Right. Okay. Uh, and fifty thousand. I just want to point out the lapse in security in 1994 that you can walk into a ballpark with a hubcap. Yeah, really. Uh, fifty thousand four hundred twenty-five fans showed up to the New York owners, New York Yankees home opener against the Texas Rangers, but it was the smallest opening day crowd since uh, Yankee Stadium opened, I believe. Damn. Um. ML, this is the problem. MLB Players Association President Donald Fair attended the game, and a lot of people were pissed off because they blamed him for ruining Don Manningly's chance at a postseason. Oh. They booed him and yelled at him. And uh, so it's worth the pay to cash to go in there just to give yeah, him a right. piece of your mind. Right. Um, so, yeah, this was. Uh, this was this was something I just re- I remember vividly. Even fans who weren't like in the baseball remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you t- when that's the first thing that always comes to mind to me. You say nineteen ninety four. You say nineteen ninety three. I say Jurassic Park. You say nineteen ninety four. I say Baseball Strike. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, this was so. We're we're now at it's almost two in the morning. We've been recording for an hour and 50 minutes, but we've been Skyping for two hours and 22 minutes. Really? I talked your ass out? Wow. Yeah. Well, I had to warm up my voice. Yeah. But no, we've, it's been a long night, and uh, I'm Peter and Ad. How about you? Uh, yeah, I got to get some sleep and get back to work on it. What's the next show? You gotta get to work on the next episode. Yeah, we're not gonna tell you what it is because it's gonna be a little surprise, but uh, it's gonna be something fun. Oh, uh, me? But no, you know what it is. Oh. We're not gonna we tell just... the fans what it is. Oh, that. Yeah. Were... Yeah. Okay. I we... thought you were 
writing me off. No, no, no. We want it to be a fun surprise. I thought you were gonna have a giant sparkly baby poop monster shoot laser beams at me like Tasha Yar. No, no. You know what it is. Um, I do know what it is. You do know what it is. It's gonna be awesome. Um, it's gonna be really awesome, and I can't wait. And hopefully, it's not at two in the morning, so I'm not tired. Uh, but uh, anyway, this was this was a lot of fun, and um. One of my favorite years, I think. Yeah, see, this one, it was kind of tricky for me. Like, I had some uh, some great ups, but like I said, a, a lot of mine were, like, the end of a lot. So. Yeah, it was the end of a lot, but also the beginning of a lot. And, um, you know, it, it ushered in a new era for me, I feel. It was yeah. like a transitional year. That's true. Because, like, to me, like, 1993 is the pinnacle of my childhood. Yeah, yeah, that's a good... Good point. I don't. I I can't finger point a, a pinnacle, but '94 was a big year. I just know that. Mm. Uh, but this was fun talking 1994. We're gonna come back with a really cool episode next week where we're gonna have a special guest, um, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun on next week's show. Not that we don't have fun every show, but um, that was 1994. We talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, sorry if we bored you with. Uh, talking about uh, baseball and star trek but don't ever apologize to these people they want star trek they want baseball they want lists they want more lists <laughs> and i will give them lists you will but until then we should probably get some sleep or drink more beer uh, off off microphone but uh for this week i'm rk i'm squeezer we'll talk to you next week and thanks for listening